everybody. Welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening, and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. We just want to make sure you really got it, like you really got it. A hot cookie, a conversation about Christ. Are you there? Are you there? That's the way to go. We're grateful to Zimmermans and who they are, and, um, and that we can share good news. So uh, uh, we're going to open up to, to 1 Peter. We're in chapter 2 now. We're picking up at verse 11. And in this series, we really are taking big chunks, and we're going uh, kind of right along in line. So this is leaving off uh, right where we left off last week, picking up at verse 11. As you open your scriptures, and as you open your scriptures at home, we're so grateful that you're worshiping with us at home and, uh, and tuning in with us. Uh, let's open our Bibles or turn them on. Try to get to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. And as we do that, let's pray. Lord, we thank you that there's a place that we can go to hear the truth. And we pray as we open your scriptures that you would send your Holy Spirit to open our hearts to receive that truth, to know you better. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said? Amen. First Peter 2 at verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. How is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called. Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself in him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is God's word. We're grateful, amen. Share 
good news. Last weekend, somebody in Michigan won a billion dollars. A billion. Can you believe that? Does anybody know who that is, by the way? (laughs) Any relations here in the church just checking? A billion dollars. That could be considered good news, right? Good news. What if I told you that there's good news this morning, that there's good news in the church, that there's good news that I have for you that's better than a billion dollars? Would you believe me? Better than a billion dollars. I mean, a billion dollars is good news. I mean, that's really good news. Of course, it means, you know, a billion people lost a dollar. But don't talk about that. Just talk about a billion dollars. It's really good news, right? And, um, but a billion dollars, uh, follow me here, uh, it could also mess you up a little bit, couldn't it? I mean, it could kind of, it could cause some things to go kind of awry in your life, things that you really care about. There's a show on uh, HGTV. I think it's called um, Lottery Winner Dream House or something like that. Lottery Winner's Dream Home. And so, uh, I can't verify this. I can't verify anything on HGTV. Uh, I've, I've got a man card. I intend to keep it. But, there, there's, <laughs> but apparently, there's this show where the couple goes out and they've won the lottery, so now they're going to find their dream house. And what you see in the show is that they start fighting with each other. They start bickering with each other. The money is already eroding their relationships. You see, friends, a billion dollars, you don't want a billion. A billion dollars could really mess you up. Now, I'd take it. I mean, I, I, would, I would take that billion dollars. But you've got to take risks in life, right? But what I'm saying is this. There is good news out there. There is good news. And it's good news that doesn't just last a lifetime. It lasts for eternal life. And it's good news that doesn't threaten the relationships that you cherish the most, but promises to enrich them. It's good news that doesn't threaten to corrode your soul, but it promises to provide your soul with a wellspring of everlasting life, a rising freedom. There is good news. There is good news. It's good news about what God has done in the Son, Jesus Christ, to save your soul. Share good news. We're, in the, we're talking about the first presway, seven values in our pursuit of Jesus, seven ways that we run to get closer to Jesus, to be more like Jesus, to grow in our faithfulness of following Jesus. The first presway. And today we're talking about the fifth one, share good news. We do all it takes to reach those who do not know Christ. So I ask you, if you're in this mission with us, are you invested in someone else knowing Jesus? Are you invested? Are you doing anything? What are you doing to, to, to expand the knowledge of God in Jesus Christ? Are, are, is there something in your life you could put your finger on that you are doing in, in your own sort of desire of your heart, if this is if you're a believer now, if you're in Christ, if you're following Christ, I want to ask you, I want to challenge you, is there something that you can put your finger on and say, this is how I am responding to the Great Commission, to Jesus' last commandment to his followers, the last thing he said. In Matthew, he said it this way. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And in, in the Gospel of Mark, he said a similar thing. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, all creation. And whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. In Luke, he put it this way. Jesus said, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins 
will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. It's Jesus speaking. He says the forgiveness starts right here in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the city that came after him. And you are witnesses of these things. You are. You're the one called into the box. You're the witness called up to stand up and say something about these events. Share good news. The good news we have to share is that there's forgiveness of sins. There's forgiveness. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what mark or stain you bear, no matter what you have done, what others have done to you, there is forgiveness of sins. There is reconciliation with God. There is redemption. There is restoration. There is new life, eternal life in Jesus Christ, and it's prepared for you. That's new life and good news. You can have a relationship with God his Holy Spirit inside you, with you at all times, his presence with you because of what Jesus Christ has done. That's good news. It's better than a billion dollars. It is. You don't believe me, but it is. If the world doesn't hear it as good news, listen now. It's because we're saying it wrong. Or, or because we're not saying it at all. Scripture says today to live in such a way before non-believers that they too may come to know the good news about Jesus Christ. Look at verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans. That sounds insulting, but in his time it's really not. It's just, it's just instructive. It, it, it live such, such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. First thing he says is, uh, you're foreigners, you're exiles. If you're in Christ, you're on a pilgrimage here. And what you've got to do, you've got to abstain, abstain from sinful desires. Why? Because they wage war against your own soul. That trash is just, it is self-inflicted wound, he says. Now you can, you can judge for yourselves and assess, I imagine, the truth of that statement. But what Peter says to his church is he says, I want you to walk away from that stuff and I want, you, I want you to walk toward Jesus. And as you're doing that, I also want you to recognize you're on display, folks. You, people are looking at you. They're watching your behavior and they're judging who you are. And you want to live such lives. Live such lives, it says. Honor those in authority. Give, give respect where respect is due. Submit yourselves. Look at verse 13. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether the emperor is the supreme authority. Then he goes on, and he goes on down the line. Or to governors that come out and sort out right and wrong and, and make their judgments. Or to other leaders. In fact, today, tomorrow, it goes all the way along about how we as believers submit ourselves to these places of authority. Why? Why? 
so that they might see something in you. You submit yourself for the Lord's sake, for the sake of the mission of Christ, for the sake of the gospel news. Live such lives that, in such a way that when they attack you, it just can't land on you. Verse 17 sums it up. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Love. This is the love, by the way, as we talked about last week, this is the love that builds up. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. That sums it up. And then, he says in the next chapter, if you follow over to chapter 3, he says, look, when you do that, people are going to come up to you and ask you a question. Because they're not going to be able to compute why your life is so different. And so he says in 1 Peter 3, verse 15, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Inside you build up that reverence, that love for Jesus. But that's not going to stay inside. It's going to kind of go on display. And so always be prepared to give an answer to whom? To everyone. To everyone who asks. To everyone who scratches and sees that there's something underneath. To everyone who wants to know a little bit about what animates you and keeps you going in good times and in bad. Be, be ready to give an answer to everyone. I find that convicting because I know that I have not returned an answer to everyone who's wondered about my life. But Peter says, I want you to be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have. And I want you to do this in a spirit of superiority and conflict, right? Sorry, that's messing around now. We do that in a spirit of gentleness and respect. When Peter wrote this letter in 65 AD, there were about 5,000 Christians in a Roman empire that had about 60 million people in it. 5,000 people, Christians, in 60 million population. That is a tiny Minority. That is an insignificant religious sect. And they didn't have anybody to speak for them. They didn't have a single governor, a single general, a single judge. They didn't have representation on Senate, right? They didn't have anybody in any place of power that would even be the slightest bit sympathetic to their values and their beliefs. In fact, if you, if you went out and asked the general population... If you've met a Christian, what do you think about a Christian? You know what they would say? They would say, ah, oh, stark raving mad that comes to mind. A Christian, I mean, they don't do the slightest thing. They don't, say the, they, don't, they don't do the local sacrifices to the local gods. They won't make an oath to Caesar. We all make oaths to Caesar. They won't participate in the slightest kind of life that we have together to keep things moving forward. They're, they're just off on their own. And, the, and when they gather, they gather up with no respect to, to gender separation or to age or, or to race or to, to nationality or class. They just sort of gather all up in one room like there's some big family, but they're not a family. And they act like, they act like Jewish people, but don't ask them if they're Jewish because you, you ask them if they're Jewish you get this whole speech about this guy Jesus who was in Jerusalem and, and there's their founder and all that and you know what happened to him he got killed as a criminal on a cross Christians stark raving men Peter says look church it's okay 
live such lives. Reverence Christ in your heart. Live such lives. Live such lives that the attacks, they, they don't land. And be ready to share good news. 300 years later, the entire empire was Christian. Be ready. Let me say a word about this passage about slavery. Isn't that a hard passage to read? Some stuff we read, we say, how can that be in the Bible? I'll say right off, if, if you're in any kind of relationship where you were suffering abuse, this is not a scripture that is telling you to sit there and be abused. So what is, this, what is going on here? How can, the Bible, how can the Bible tell people to endure such things like Peter says to these slaves? Well, listen, I want you to start with this. It's a big conversation, but start with this. Start with the fact that Peter addresses the slaves. That in this, in this, this official correspondence to the community of faith, Peter actually talks to the slaves who are in the room, assumed to be in the room, listening to this correspondence, listening to this letter. And he addresses them not just as some kind of, he addresses them as human beings, as fellow human beings who have a freedom of will. And he says to them, look, submit yourselves. Now read the second level of that. Submit yourselves. For Peter, slavery is, is, there's no chance in the world that slavery is going away. He sees slavery as part of the world that we live in, one of the structures that some of you are going to naturally get stuck in because this is never going away. But you as a Christian, guess what? When you're stuck in the worst and most dehumanizing substructures of, of this evil, you can actually have a new choice. You can live in a new way. You have the freedom to submit yourself. You submit yourself. And when you do that, you say, I'm not submitting because you're, you know, because of your violence, you vile master. I'm submitting because I've given my life to Christ as Lord freely. And no matter how bad of a master I have, I have a better master. No matter how bad of a king I have, I have a better king. And you can beat me, you can take my life, but you cannot touch my soul because I belong to Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. Do you see the freedom? Now, here's the thing. As hard as this passage is to read and study, and I hope you do. By the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, Peter had written the death knell of the institution of slavery. Because how can such a dehumanizing institution ever survive its victims being so deeply humanized? You see? It was already over by the time you put a period on the letter, the sadness is in how long it took to come to fruit of freedom. Okay. What Peter's saying is that, look, submission is even that big. Even the worst places you are in your life, the submission is even that big. When Peter writes to honor the emperor, he's talking about the emperor Nero, one of the worst tyrants ever to walk the face of the earth. I mean, on the top 10, this would be in the top 10 worst. A more horrid, selfish, a corrupt, a bloodthirsty, murderous leader you've never seen. And Peter says, submit. The job, he says, is that important. The mission that we're on is that big. The real thing we're doing 
the real work that we are here to do, it is that critical. What are we here to do? We are here to bear witness to Jesus Christ and the good news of what Jesus has done to save our souls. You see, and that's big enough, and that's worth it. What is Peter after? Well, listen, what does the Lord want us doing in a passage like this when we're out to share good news? Well, listen, it's not a rebranding campaign, okay? It's not a, an effort to bring rising sentiment just about Christianity. Uh, make no mistake, rising public opinion about Christianity does not save your soul, okay? You don't come to, to salvation. What I mean is you don't come to salvation by thinking nice thoughts about Christians, Okay, That isn't what saves your soul. Peter says, look at it again, verse 12. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of wrongdoing, they may see your good deeds and, I want you church to read that last verse with this last part of this verse with me, and glorify God on the day he visits us. Wait a minute. They might glorify God. On the day that he visits us, that's the, that's the day of visitation, the last day, the final day, when God comes, when Jesus comes back in power to set all things right, they might glorify God that day. They might adore the glory of God that day, that day. They might be singing the name of Jesus. They might be worshiping God. They might be found, not, not filling out public opinion polls on how great Christians are, Right? They might be found with their hearts devoted to Christ. They've gone through a conversion. They might have been snatched up from the pathway of death and dropped down on the pathway of life. They might have been pulled out of darkness and set into his marvelous light. They might have been saved. And it might have had something to do with you. I do a lot to protect the reputation of our church. Do you know that? And even during, um, during COVID, a lot of decisions that we make, we're trying to make those decisions in a way that preserves the platform that the Lord has given us as a church, as First Pres, that gives, you know, protects reputation a little bit. Why? Why would I do that? Nobody comes to salvation by thinking nice thoughts about Christians. So why would I care about the reputation of First Pres? Well, look, we, we, we want people to think of First Pres as helpful, a positive force for good. But you don't get to, into heaven by thinking positive thoughts about the church down the street. Are you with me? So why do I do that? Why do we as a church guard our, our kind of platform in the city? Well, the reason why is so that you can get into these conversations, so that you can share good news, and that when you do, there's an entree, there's an avenue, there's a path that you can continue a conversation that might lead to Jesus Christ. That when you say to somebody, hey, yeah, I go to, I go to church, I go to First Press. What did you do this weekend? Well, I, we, uh, we logged, Saturday, Sunday morning we logged into our church and we worshiped together with our church. Oh, what church do you go to? We go to First Press. Well, what we're doing, the decisions that we make in our city are to help that, that moment right there. When you say, yeah, I, I go to First Pres. Well, hopefully, the things that we've done 
will, will help a little bit to remove the immediate stink face that you experience from your friend when you tell them that you're part of a church and that you're a Christian. That's the technical term for, for reaction. You know what I'm talking about? The stink face. And they're your friends, so they're trying to resist it. Like, they're trying to make it not happen. But to them, it's just like, Ugh, what? You're, you believe that? Okay. Okay. Where do you go to church again? I go to First Pres. Oh, well, they're not so stark raving mad, you know. I've heard they actually help a few things out. Okay. Now what? Now maybe you can share good news. So nobody came to Christ by thinking good thoughts about Christianity. But you might be able to have a conversation to share good news about Jesus. You come to Jesus. Let's be very clear about this. You don't get transferred from death to life on rising public or personal opinion about the church. And you don't come to salvation on your own growing confidence in Christianity. You come to Christ and you are saved by one thing and one thing only, by being born again. What did Peter say? He said in, uh, back in, in chapter 1, verse 3, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us what? New birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. New birth. And again, for you have been, say it with me, born again. Born again. Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. New birth, born again. And when Peter writes this to the church, he knows of what he speaks. He knows what new birth is. It's a whole trust in Jesus. It's your whole life transferred into his care. It's hitting your knees when you see the Lord and saying, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. And knowing your sinfulness and then standing up again when the love of Jesus in his eyes does not budge to look on who you are. It's, it's, it's selling everything that you've got for the treasure that you see in Jesus Christ. It's stepping out of the side of a boat and walking on the waves of the Sea of Galilee. Why? Just to be face to face with your Savior. It is full trust. It is full hope. It's your whole life. It's not some half measure. It's not something added on to the side. It's I belong to you and you alone. And you are born again. And you are redeemed. And you are restored. New life in Jesus Christ. That's how salvation happens. Jesus said to Nicodemus, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God. You can't see it unless you're born again. Flesh gives birth to flesh. The spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. You must be born again. Rising opinion, growing knowledge of Christian principles. The idea that first pres is helpful. Friends, these things don't save your soul. They don't get you into heaven. You must be born again. And does that happen at all? Does that even happen in our world anymore? On Sunday night, I was with our life group, Abigail and I are part of, and uh, we were sharing some stories. One of them was uh, 
that one of members of our life group are on a prayer team for a campus ministry in Indiana, and they said, look, look at what happened. This campus minister sent us the names of 30 students that they wanted us to pray for that they would come to Christ this year. Halfway through the year, 17 of those names have given their lives to Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Born again. New life. In Vietnam last month, Young Life International was able to host a weekend camp to present the gospel to children. They had 242 children that were able to come, students able to come. Of the 242, 126 in Vietnam last month, these kids gave their lives to Jesus Christ. New life, born again, redeemed, a whole new life in Jesus Christ. Does it happen? You bet it does. And it happens right here at First Pres. And as your pastor, I want nothing more but that you would be a part of it and see it. And see it. Share good news. Do anything. Do all it takes to reach those who do not know Christ. Are you invested in someone else knowing Jesus? Our pastor of evangelism, Greg Hardnett, he's going to lead something on Tuesday night called Experiencing Alpha. Alpha is one of those ways that we at First Press have that conversation about Jesus and help people to see something they didn't see before, to know someone they didn't know before, to maybe give their lives over to Jesus Christ. And we've seen it through that ministry. During this last year, Google searches for God and prayer and Jesus have skyrocketed. People are hungry. Maybe somebody you know. Maybe a friend you have you can think of right now. And what you don't know is that late at night, they're Googling, is God real? Is God angry with me? Who is Jesus Christ really? Click. What are they seeing? Are you willing to learn? They're so hungry. Are you willing to learn to lead them to the bread of life? For the good news that we have to share, it isn't good news about Christianity or First Press. It's, it's good news about Jesus Christ and what he has done to save our souls. When we were lost in our sins, when we were destined for death, separated from God, he himself bore our sins. It's verse 24. Let's say it together, church. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds. You have been healed. Knowing that doesn't do a thing for you unless you're willing to act on it. Christ 
himself bore our sins. No matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, no matter the mark or stain you carry on your life, Jesus Christ has carried it to the cross. There is no other power. There is no other power of redemption than what Christ has done on the cross. And it's open to you right now, 2,000 years later, it's open to you to know new life in Jesus Christ, to be born Again, not renovated, not educated, not moralized, not shifted a little bit. Your life given over to Christ, born again, new life in him and under his regime, under his grace, under his mercy, under his love. You must be born again. So what are you relying on? Are you counting on a rising knowledge of Christianity, of a growing confidence in your church. You must be born again. I want to lead us in prayer. Those of you right here and worshiping at home, I want to lead you in prayer the opportunity that you have to come into new life with Jesus Christ today. It's open. For some of you, this prayer is just a continuation of a life with Jesus, a constant prayer in his presence. But for some of you, this is the moment. Today is the day. Now is the time. This is the hour of salvation, the hour that you will mark when you gave your life over to Jesus. You want to give your life to him. You can. Just follow along. And I want to ask everybody in the church If you're willing to pray with me, follow along. No one prays alone. Would you bow your heads and follow along in prayer with me? Lord, I know my need. I need to be forgiven. I need to be restored. Thank you for taking my sin to the cross. For dying so I can have life. I want to be born again. Come and take my life in your hands and give me life eternal. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprescos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.